Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Hello, I'm Matt Harmon and welcome to the Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast presented by Planters, satisfying your snack cravings for over 100 years. Dalton Deldon joining me as always here on the Midweek Show. Do you know what satisfied me today, Dalton? What was it, Harmon? I cho- I made a personal choice last night that, you know what? It's the end of the season here. My time has been monopolized by NFL football all year. And I love it. You know, I love this job and I love football. But this year especially, it's been... Okay, sometimes Tuesday night, Wednesday night even, um, you know, weird a couple times on Monday. Your time has been monopolized by football. I decided I was not going to give my time or energy to the Pittsburgh Steelers on another damn primetime game last night. I was like, you know what? I'm just, I'm not watching this game live. I'm not watching it in real time. Um, I want to do some workouts. I want to do cook a nice meal with my fiance, spend some time together, despite the fact that it's a Monday night and there's a football game on. I'm not going to dictate my energy to this to this team that does not deserve it. And I checked Twitter a couple times, you know, during the first half, and it was very clear I had made a very satisfying decision to not watch that game in real time. I went went back and looked it over uh, this morning, you know, the condensed version. It was obviously hideous, and it's disgusting to watch the Steelers right now. Uh, but yeah, that was that was what satisfied me today was realizing I did not waste my time last night watching that game in in real time and like keeping up with it on Twitter. Yeah, so I I also didn't suffer through that as much either because I had it more as background watching. I was doing two fantasy hoops drafts last night, and I just pushed back today's pod. Just finished a third main event draft this morning. That's three fantasy hoops drafts in the last twelve hours. So you'll excuse me if I say something even more outrageous than usual about football here. But um, but yeah, like it's like we both didn't. We picked a good uh, Monday night or two to kind of not pay cl- super close attention to because what is going on with the Steelers? I mean they they were in a spot there where they should be you know bringing their a game after two straight losses but that was uh, another f performance i i don't know why um i was keeping up with like my friends in the group chat during the game obviously you know spitting extremely accurate takes while not consuming the football game was what which is what we do um you know i was i basically said i was like i don't understand why people have been why the you know quote the media has been so hesitant to say that roethlisberger just looks bad like he has really all season and obviously it's been masked by their record because you know they went so long without losing a game but at the same time it's just been plain plain and obvious to see like man this guy can't push the ball outside of a seven by seven square over the middle of the field with any regularity and and we talked about it on this show plenty of times I feel like you know a few weeks ago before they started losing games it was really that Ravens game midweek game of course obnoxious but uh, that was really I think when people started to see oh man this is this is there's some real problems in this offense and hilarious that people oh, their drops are the biggest problem that they have no their biggest problem they have is that their quarterback is maybe 20 percent of the player that he used to be and I have no I frankly have no idea what the Steelers are going to do going forward it's not quite as bad as Carson Wentz dropping the headline that he's not happy with the Eagles Sunday before Jalen Hurts goes and tears it up against the Arizona Cardinals but it's almost as bad that we woke up to a headline on Monday uh that oh Ben Roethlisberger intends to come back for his 18th season or whatever and he goes out and puts that game on Monday night I don't know what the Steelers are going to do going forward but they're they're in quite a bit of trouble 
they've struggled to run block all season and their defense is all their issues all extends partially because of the offensive struggles. And, and it's the key is Roethlisberger, the last five games, 5.3 YPA. And that's of the opponents, uh, Jacksonville, Buffalo, the Bengals, obviously. So yeah, you cannot complete, it can, com- cannot complete a pass downfield. So that, that's really a, an issue for this team that, that was obviously the last team to be undefeated and look like Super Bowl favorites at one point. Uh, I mean, they're, they're now an underdog to win a playoff game. Right? We'd, we'd need a drastic change here. I mean, I, I can't really remember a team looking so good and then falling so quickly without an injury. But, I mean, this looks like there's a problem here. I mean, this, is, this extends beyond just your normal, ah, teams have their highs and lows. Yeah, I think it's a systemic offensive issue. I've I've said that for weeks uh, with Roethlisberger. There's been some injuries on defense too. You know, Bud Dupree, he's yeah, hurt. Yeah. Joe Hayden has been a bit banged up here and there. But yeah, it's 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 pretty problematic. It's it's bad. I don't expect them to win a playoff game. I think they're a, they're a good candidate to be one and done because they just can't score yeah. points. Like like we're talking about the, the Bengals defense is not good. <laughs> you know, this is not a good defensive unit it's either Roethlisberger either his arm is shot or he doesn't want to get hit at all or it's both because that is really the only explanation for the way he looks right now but of course we're having to have conversations about is it is it all because Juju Smith-Schuster is dancing on the team's (laughs) logo give me a break like we'll do anything other than talk about man Ben Roethlisberger looks terrible but that's just the reality of the situation and um, it's going to be tough to project those guys next year because of that quarterback situation. I frankly, like I said, I have no idea what to expect from the Steelers in 2021, but my expectations in 2020 are now pretty much in the basement level low. But let's move on. Hey, hell, imagine if they weren't catering to Big Ben and making him do these seven-step drops, too, and him getting killed oh, yeah. back there. I mean, their offense is just totally terrible. Make sure he does not get hit at all every game and just make him comfortable, and it's still resulting in this. I mean, I know obviously that means fewer downfield attempts, but whatever they're doing, uh, Tomlin needs to go back to the drawing board and figure something out. But, uh, yeah, it's, not been, it's not, not been great here for Big Ben as the season has progressed. Yeah, it, it looks very much like Peyton Manning end of, this, end of the run for him. Um, I just can't imagine it's, it's tough, right? Because this is your franchise legend. This is the the face of your team for, yeah. you know, well over a decade, over 15 years now. When do you, t- Ben like says, Oh man, maybe I don't have it anymore. At least once per year in, in a press conference, maybe there, maybe if the, the season ends this way, he might, I, I think he's a candidate to hang it up. Even if he says he wants to come back right now, we'll just uh, honestly, we'll, we'll have to see. He- he had seven yards passing and negative fantasy points at halftime last night as 14-point oh, yeah. favorites. I mean, this is like, imagine if you uh, had him in fantasy and you, imagine if you had a lead and you're like, oh, I'm going to play a one-point lead or something at halftime. He had negative points and, and they were on the telecast talking about, is he going to be benched? I mean, that's, uh, that, that yeah. was a, yeah, a thing. So uh, quite a turn of events over the last three games. Yeah, well, we just dictated a lot of energy to a game that I said I didn't give my energy to by uh, not watching. But yeah, I think it's one of the biggest talking points in football right now, what happens with these Steelers players. And obviously, there's so many fantasy-relevant guys, although not many of them outside of Deontay Johnson are very fantasy-relevant at this point. Juju Smith-Schuster also negative points last night, right? Like, because of the fumble, um, tough tough scene there for for Juju. He's definitely going to be on another team next year. Uh, we'll, We'll see what happens there. But let's move on to the meat of the show here like we do every day on the midweek show the things that we love to see now we're heading into championship week here and of course in very 2020 style the fantasy gods have bestowed upon us really just an rb2 bonanza because of injury situations because of some murky backfields we're getting all of these just wow didn't didn't see this one coming like this guy's on the fantasy radar type of names let's talk about some of these guys and see if there anyone uh, if there's anyone out there that's worth relying on we'll start with Salvan Ahmed in Miami he was Miami's first 100 yard rusher in two freaking years Dalton two years Crazy. that's unbelievable um, what do you think about this guy and within this current construction of the Miami offense because they get a great matchup obviously in week 16 against the las vegas raiders who we saw on thursday night it doesn't matter what they do they're a broken defense 
Yeah, you gotta like it. It's crazy. Ahmed was picked up in many leagues and and helped many fantasy managers win last week. And and go ahead and start him with confidence again. I have him ranked comfortably as a top fifteen fantasy back in week sixteen. There, the Raiders have allowed the fourth most fantasy points to running backs, and he's uh, Breida got some work there specifically in the third quarter too. But Ahmed looks like the main guy. Miami's been doing it all year. Whoever it is, Miles Gaskin, whoever happens to be healthy for there, they've been pretty much using that player as a, a workhorse, regardless of name brand. So and. and Ahmed is certainly getting it done. So start him with confidence in your fantasy championship as a borderline RB1. Yeah, for real. Uh, I agree with you. I wish I had started him on my Scott Fishbowl roster, one of the one of the uh, few remaining teams I've got left. Um, I wish I had been paying more attention to that one on Sunday morning instead of giving, him, it, giving the nod to Gus Edwards. It was a tricky thing, man. He was available in a lot of leagues. It was like not talked about a lot throughout the week, and it just suddenly it's like, oh, a, a, a feature back is available on a lot of waiver wires Sunday morning. It was a little weird. Yeah, I think he gives them the most juice, too. Gaskins, you mentioned it. He's been getting that role. Uh, he's been getting a good volume of touches when he's been back there, but it hasn't been these big explosive outings it's been more of the solid workman type effort out of Gaskin I think Ahmed gives them the best like chance to have a a juiced up running game you know he's he's been more explosive uh he's actually been scored touchdowns which uh, Gaskin's had a big problem with yeah I would I would fire him up absolutely if I've if I have him on rosters and I actually think that you know Miami too there's a couple of interesting storylines in this one. Uh, people, I, I think, have been too hard on Tua during his rookie year, maybe just because Joe Burrow came out and looked right. like a solid player. Justin Herbert, Herbert looks like an absolute superstar. Tua has had some up-and-down moments. Obviously, he's gotten benched before, too. It's been just not the, quite the same situation. However, you know, last week, like we're talking about uh, this running back coming out of nowhere – their their skill position talent was an absolute train wreck last week, right? Like Devontae Parker misses, Mike Gusecki misses the game. You know, we're talking about Mac Hollins, a bottom of the roster guy. Isaiah yeah. Ford's actually out there running routes again. This is a guy that Miami traded away to New England within the division. New England didn't hang up, hang on to him. He ends up back in Miami. And Lynn Bowden, who, by the way, gets the ultra rare rookie year revenge game against the Raiders this week. Good call. Really it's, it's, it's like if some of these guys are back, you know, it seemed like Gusecki might was trending the right way and then missed the game. Parker was a surprising scratch. If those guys are all back, I think they're all fantasy starts. Even Parker, despite the fact that him and Tua haven't been on the same page, because I think Tua has played pretty well the, over the, the, the vast majority of the last two weeks, especially, even if there were some hiccups against the Chiefs. And we just know that, again, anybody can beat up on the Raiders. So, like, I would start all of these Dolphins players in Week 16 if they're available. Yeah, the Raiders ranked fourth to last in DVOA, their defense. They've actually allowed the most yards per play at home this season by far in the NFL, 6.4. That's a very high number. Circling back to Tua, uh, last week, so Belichick hadn't lost to a rookie quarterback since 2013, 21-7 yep. against him in his career. So there's another you know, nice uh, accomplishment that Tua, that Tua did without many weapons, as you said. So, yes, he deserves some credit, and uh, that is an interesting team because of their, their pass defense and their coaching. And, um, yeah, I expect them to, to, to roll against a, a Raiders team going in the wrong direction. And then on the flip side, though, um, we're probably going to talk about him later, but I'm curious in the Marcus Mariota situation. Do you have thoughts yes. on him? We are going to talk. Let's save that one for later. Okay, we'll save it. We'll save it. We'll save it later. Fair. Um, Fair. Let's talk about really another one of the stories of week 15, which was Tony Pollard. Let me just read off a couple of superlatives about this guy, because I think it's worth, these are worth highlighting. Tony Pollard scored more fantasy points than Ezekiel Elliott has scored in any of his last 31 games. I think I, I, it's, it's unbelievable. It's since like 2018, man, he hasn't had a game like Tony Pollard has from a pure fantasy sense um tony pollard also since 2019 has the highest rate of missed tackles forced on an attempt 25 percent of his runs he forces a missed tackle the great nick chubb by the way at 24 percent. so that's the kind of company that tony pollard's keeping in that particular metric this one i also thought was incredibly interesting with 69 rushing yards on 12 carries last week cowboys running back tony pollard was plus 41 yards over expectation per next-gen stats. That was the second-best mark by a running back last week. So, Pollard looked good. 
I mean, he brought a an element against your 49ers that Zeke has not brought to this team all year, which is some juice, some explosiveness, similar to what we're talking about with Ahmed last uh, last bit of the section we just did with the Dolphins. Pollard brought something to the table that Zeke has not. Um, let's just assume the Cowboys are you know going to shut Zeke down or he's not going to play in Week 16. Whatever. How high are you ranking Tony Pollard? And then does this change your thinking about the Cowboys offense, Zeke, Pollard, whatever, going forward into 2021? Uh, top 10 this week, if Zeke doesn't suit up, I believe I have him around ninth or something. I could be persuaded to move him even higher. Um, who knows how long uh, if Pollard could hold up over a full season, but man, it's quite clear he's far better than the current version of, of Zeke. Uh, man, I know you've talked about it before, but uh, for, circling back real quick, Pollard did that against the Niners defense that had really been shutting down opposing fantasy backs this year. Um, and he's just continues to impress all any of the advanced metrics uh, would, would back that up. But the Zeke contract, I mean, the, the fact the extension hasn't kicked in, I mean, it's just not just a mess. It's like such a like imagine having the position that's so easily replaceable and I, and I think running backs can matter if you have the right ones but still as evidence how easily you find the tony pollards um and man yeah. to have to lock <laughs> into that to have the fact that they have tony pollard on that team is just makes it funnier um what do you do with that just what a, what a disaster there's got to be some tricky ways with guaranteed and all that stuff but what a total mess i really feel like that even if it's been talking about it's still underrated how bad that contract is uh yeah his contract doesn't expire until 20 20- 27 yikes Dalton what are we even gonna like what is life even gonna look like in 2027 you know that's that's unbelievable obviously there was no way he was ever gonna make it to the end of that deal anyways I can get out of it much sooner than that but not that much sooner not soon enough that like you said it's as it's worse than the Carson Wentz thing um, because number one the position you got to take your swings at quarterbacks you got you got to play quarterbacks and um, it's not as if like last year, no one's going to laugh at that Carson Wentz extension. This year, it's laughable yep. because he's just fallen off the face of the earth. But with Zeke, so easy to see coming. It was so um, – it's aggressive in, in the same way the Wentz one is that it hasn't even kicked in yet. That's what's so insane about it. Um, it's a mess. I have no idea. I tell you what, it doesn't matter whether he's um, in Dallas, whether he's somewhere else. I'm probably not drafting Zeke, period, next year. Oh, right, um, for sure. I, I know, you're, I know you're, a, you're a Bill Belichick type of fantasy drafter. You'd rather be a year early than a year uh, too late <laughs> on these guys. I, I'm sure you probably didn't even draft Zeke much anywhere this year because that's how you roll, but I certainly will not be taking him this year or next he year. was a weird one because if i had the third pick i would still take him even though i i, I was so worried he was going to fade like this but that syst- the setup was so good i mean with a healthy dak they were yeah. going to score so many points so no i was still in on him as a, as a third or fourth pick in drafts um but this well, isn't shocking to see him fade on the field like this and obviously a total disaster once dak went down he's not good enough to overcome his situ- his situation but what do you make of next you threw the question at me i avoided it um what yeah what do you so like if is pollard coming back where's where's he sit with 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 dallas that'll definitely pollard would absolutely be a guy i will draft in round eight of every league like i did latavius murray this year eight or nine or ten or whatever it would be he'd be like my number one backup running back to get if the situation returns the same as it is now and people talk themselves into a zeke rebound in that situation like late first early second or something i'll be all over pollard whatever it takes mid rounds i agree with you and i think that I just think there's no way that these two guys won't start to split this work a little bit. Um, You know, I want to be in on that offense next year because I assume, we assume, this is not locked, but let's just say Zach, I mean, uh, Zach, let's just say Dak is back there. Uh, He is, he's the clear cut, obviously, starter and he's healthy. Everything is going well. Yeah, I want to be in on the starting back on in that offense. I just think it could be sort of a, 1A, 1B type of situation with Pollard. So yeah, my inclination would be, depending on the Tony Pollard hype, like you're talking round eight, I could easily see him being... Yeah, yeah, five. uh, Yeah, yeah, Yeah. round five. That's exactly what I was going to say. Round five type type player. You're right, you're right. Based on on the excitement, which would be deserved, obviously, based on the way he's looked. So yeah, yeah, I, I, I would imagine that my inclination would be to draft Pollard and fade Zeke and uh, see where that goes. But I mean, th- yeah, this is a guy that's had a lot of touches in his career. So it's no surprise here that, you know, injuries are, so- injuries have been a problem all year for this guy. And uh, the situation has obviously turned to a bit of a nightmare there. No doubt. All right. Let's also talk about Le'Veon Bell. Speaking of um, former fantasy greats, Le'Veon Bell is probably going to be the chief's clear cut RB one uh, this week. And perhaps, 
going forward, I don't. Do we have something for sure on uh, Ceh exactly what the injury was, the timeline? Uh, I, I haven't seen high, like high, a for sure. Think high ankle sprain definitely out for the regular season. They're they're hoping playoffs, but fantasy managers definitely count on him being out for sure. Right. Cool. Yeah. So I mean, with that said, Le'Veon Bell will be locked in as the Chiefs guy in uh, week 16. Now, we've seen this situation before when CEH sat because he had been ill all week. Um, great matchup, though, against the damn Falcons. How high are we ranking Le'Veon Bell? I'm, I'm willing to get, let's just say, mildly aggressive. Okay, first of all, poor CEH, man. What a way to end his regular season. Twisted up there. Yeah. I guess certainly could have been worse, though, how bad that looks. So, I mean, if he just suffered an ankle sprain, it definitely considered him uh, uh, lucky there. Um, okay, Le'Veon Bell. I want to I say no to him. He looks so, so slow. And that backfield mm-hmm. hasn't even exactly been producing much. I mean, with CEH, nope. a total disappointment despite the offense going crazy. So, And the Falcons' defense has played much better, aside from the final 18 minutes last week. But man, A, you look at the running back position and you're talking about a Chiefs lead back at home, uh, 10 and a half point favorites, the over-unders 54 and a half. So yeah, I mean, obviously he's a, a flexible start, no matter how sloth-like the current version of Le'Veon Bell is. Feature back in that offense. Talk me into it, Harmon. I've got him at 16 right now in my early ranks. And I mean, again, running back falls off pretty quickly here, but... Yeah. I might oh, move yeah. him. I might move him ahead behind guys like Melvin Gordon, Kenyon Drake, Kareem Hunt, Mike Davis as the week rolls on. But just at my first inclination here, I think that there was a time when they were running the ball pretty well with Ceh before Le'Veon Bell got there. I mean, I can't get the image of my out of my mind now. And there have been some injuries on the offensive line, but remember the last time we saw Ceh, it was like, oh. This is, he's balling, you know, before before yeah. Le'Veon Bell got there against the Bills. He has this monster game. I could see that being part of the range of outcomes here. But at the same time, it's like running the ball is basically a wasted play when you have Patrick Mahomes, which maybe you don't draft a running back in the first round if that's you're thinking about it. But it seems like that's the way they've been operating here um, in the second half of the season. So I don't know. Maybe I'm Maybe I'm getting too aggressive. But I definitely think that if you don't, if you're light on options, if you've been sort of platooning your RB2 position, which I tend to do in fantasy, like the, the Scott Fishbowl team that I'm talking about right now, it's like I have Derrick Henry, and then the next running back I'm starting is sort of that Selvan Ahmed, uh, Gus Edwards type of guy because I've beefed up all these other positions. In that case, if you've been doing that, then yeah, I think Lev Bell's a cert- certainly an RB2 type of play. Yeah, and the, the Chiefs are just due for one of those games where their running back falls in the end zone two or three times. I mean, it's just bound yeah. to happen. What are these So he, um, Daryl Williams comes in on third downs too. So, and again, there's not a ton of upside because Bell just, is, he's not going to break any big plays. But the situation and the running back landscape is just so thin right now. It's hard not to consider him a flex or, yes, even a, a borderline top 20 type play. All right, these next two situations I feel like we can go kind of quicker on because I feel like they're more obvious. Number one, in that same game, Ito Smith, uh, Raheem Morris basically said, look, uh, we're, we're, Todd Gurley's now the backup. I feel, I feel so bad for Todd Gurley. I, just, I, wish, I wish his career had, the second chapter of his career had gone um, a different direction, but here we are. It's just the, the knee issues there are, are problematic. So Ito Smith is going to be the starter for the Falcons. I, I'm going to tell you right now, I don't care, right? Like I'm going to have him as running back 30-ish or whatever, and I'm not going to really want to start him because the Falcons' run game, no matter who's been in there, stinks. It's stunk for the last two years, and we don't expect them to be in a situation where they're going to be feeding a running back 20 carries against the Chiefs as it is. So I don't care about Edo Smith. Do you care at all? No, I don't. Uh, 50% of the snaps last week, even when he took over. So no, they can't run block. Uh, It's a bad situation. No, I have him ranked exactly the same with you, and I feel the same way. Cool. Boom. Let's keep it moving then. Jeff Wilson uh, for your 49ers. Looks like the spotlight is back on him. Uh, Raheem Mostert, another guy that I just feel bad for. It's been one thing after another for him. Um, He's also been out there tweeting about fantasy players giving him crap. If you if you tweet at players, come back to reality. That's your that's your fault. I love the way uh, our guy Adam Levitan from Establish the Run said it like if a player burns you in fantasy, you should be mad at yourself for not projecting their outcome properly. So look in the mirror and scream at yourself if you feel like tweeting at a player. Please come back to reality. It's, as as Levitan said, borderline. 
insane behavior. Mostert's on IR now. He's done for the year. Jeff Wilson, are we super? I feel like the answer is just, yeah, he's probably a guy that maybe we should have him ahead of Le'Veon Bell. Maybe we should have him in that clear top 20 range. Yeah, dude, Mostert leaving last week with aggravating his sprained ankle was the most predictable thing of the week at least we got a half of football out of him he is the biggest boom bust player right in fantasy I mean he has first round fantasy upside but you can't even sniff him it's gonna have to come at a severe discount approaching age 30 next year Um, but he's gonna be back in the Niners and all these other backs aren't so (laughs) he's gonna be another interesting dilemma um uh Jeff Wilson is a top 20 guy for me this week so he slammed his helmet on the sideline at one point last week appeared to be injured he swears he's fine um uh, this week and Tevin Coleman saw just one snap last week Jerick McKinnon saw zero carries and these guys are all active so uh yeah Jeff Wilson a violent runner always a goal line guy there so he's a top 20 guy I would personally play him above uh Le'Veon Bell um, yeah, I would start him uh, as a top 20 type guy in your championship week. But man, Mostert, he just cannot stay on the field. It is just so frustrating. Like, I guess that's a requirement for all 49ers this year. But man, he's he's really taking it to heart. Yeah, no kidding. It's tough. I feel bad for the guy because uh, coming into this year, wanting to prove himself, get a new contract, all that. Uh, it's a bummer. But like I said, Jeff Wilson, pretty, pretty cut and dry. Like if he's out there, yeah, he's a top 20 running back. Um, and you just convinced me to move him ahead of Le'Veon Bell. So uh, I'm, I'm listening to you here, Dalton. Uh, my rankings are terrible as it is anyway, so who cares? Don't even bother. But uh, I'm not going to – I'm not updating those things again after Tuesday. It is what it is, folks. Listen, let's move on to the next one, which is the Finish LA line. Rams. We see the finish line. Hey, man, yeah, you see exactly. the light into the tunnel? Yeah. <laughs> you damn right I see the end of the light at the end of the tunnel. Listen, uh, the LA Rams, Daryl Henderson, Malcolm Brown, they're back in our lives because Cam Akers is going to miss week 16, which, again, is another bummer because that guy was starting to really cook here at the end of his rookie season. Daryl Henderson, um, talk me out of being super aggressive on Daryl Henderson because I love this guy. I think he's so explosive, and we've seen the value of the Rams rushing offense with Akers back there. It, it's And I'm not saying, like, oh, just throw any, any old goofball into the Rams offense and they'll – be great because Cam Akers is just another guy that's replaceable. That's not what I'm saying. But at the same time, Henderson has thrived in this scheme. Brown thrived in the week one opener and at other points of the season. So I feel like if Henderson is healthy, he should be a clear, another clear top 20 running back against Seattle in a game that I expect the L we'll talk about this a little bit later, but I expect the LA Rams to control that contest. First off, even though it was a frustrating outcome for Cam Akers, props to him for coming back and playing through a, apparently a high ankle sprain. Um, yeah, I guess cool. the adrenaline was was up there. He looked like he was he ran into the locker room. I thought he was done. Came back in whatever. He got five, six fantasy points the rest of the game. Um, and now, okay, so I did not have an opinion on which Rams runner would come through this year, but I did want a piece of whoever it was. It's because, as you said, the situation is so, so good. And if it is Henderson this week, uh, the Seahawks' defense has improved lately, but it's been more against the pass than the run, and I would be all over him. But my counter to you would be that Henderson didn't play a snap after halftime last week, and I just don't know what McVay is going to do. I mean, he literally did not play a snap after halftime last week, and there's Malcolm Brown still exists. So that would be my only uh cold water on on, on it but i henderson's looked great he was ranked as the pfs number one running back over the first month of this season i mean he could go crazy as the lead back here so i don't know what to tell you other than hopefully this clears up a little bit more throughout the week but who knows what we're going to get from mcveigh yeah, I remember those days when we were talking about Daryl Henderson uh, as PFF's number one ranked running back. Those were shout out to those days. Those were good yeah. times. Yeah. Um, better times, some would argue. Listen, yeah. I- I'm going to rank him sort of right now in that RB16 range, like on the hope that we get some clarity. But as you mentioned, if we don't, as the week goes on, that's probably a guy that I'm going to temper my expectations on. Right now, I'm excited because. Like I said, the game script sets up really well for Daryl Henderson. Uh, the matchup sets up really well for Daryl Henderson. His own offensive ecosystem sets up. Everything is like a green light for whoever Rams RB1 is, but I could temper those expectations simply because I don't know who that player is. Akers was giving cl- us clarity on that backfield, but now, once again, that clarity has been removed, which is a bummer. Um, let's talk some wide receivers that are on fire lately over the last four weeks. This comes in from our guy, Hayden winks. These are our top targeted per game wide receivers. 
Brandon Ayuk, number one at 12.7. This guy is killing it here in his rookie season. Number two, Stefan Diggs, elite wide receiver. Stefan Diggs should be one of the all pros this year. Number three, Calvin Ridley. Um, and then number four, Deontay Johnson. Uh, just the only guy who's maintained any sort of floor in that Pittsburgh Steelers offense. Number 14, Jarvis Landry at 9.5. He's been great lately. Baker Mayfield is the QB three over the last four weeks. And number 15, another Buffalo Bill, Cole Beasley. I do want to talk Jarvis Landry and this Browns offense with you here because my people are, there are some Browns fans that are highly upset at my uh, week 15 recap article where I said Baker Mayfield is basically Kirk Cousins. Uh Number one, Browns fans, don't be so spoiled, okay? Think about the dregs that have rolled through Cleveland's starting quarterback position. Think about that jersey with all the names on it, and tell me you wouldn't have loved to have Kirk Cousins over the course of Kirk Cousins' career. By the way, I'm also saying Baker Mayfield right now in his third season is Kirk Cousins, who I think is a clear top 15, top 18 quarterback in the NFL Mayfield can continue to get better. But again, let me see Baker Mayfield go out against a defense that can put some pressure on him and can take away the screens, the layups, the play actions uh, before we're really ready to crown him as like an elite level quarterback. It's But at the same time, his production is, is over the last month has been that. So where are we at with this Browns passing game with Landry, with Higgins, with Mayfield specifically? Yeah, it, well, he's running the fancy same offense as uh, Cousins was last year too. I really like that comparison. Yeah. Um, uh, I, guess, I guess Mayfield has a secret, like secretly a, a good arm. That one on that hail mary, he was like the longest recorded uh, throw in, uh, in, in since um, next gen stats or whatever. Um, or maybe it was PFE that did that. But either way, I love that comparison. Um, Jarvis Landry. Um, I believe he has uh, his target share is 27% over the last three games. Um, not just losing Odell Beckham helped him, but looking over back at his season, don't forget the three-game stretch was affected by wind just dramatically. He might have been playing through this rib injury as well, but since the wind went away and Came Odell into Beckham's the year with the hip gone, injury too. Yes, late on that surgery. You're right. So he's, yeah, he's just been awesome over the last whatever month or so and uh, should continue to be uh, ranked hot, very aggressively in fantasy moving forward. But I, I know it's a run first team, but yeah, he's the only guy there in a nice little chemistry with, with Mayfield. So yeah, we'd love to see it. Yeah. Eight catches, eight catches, six, seven uh, over the last four games, three touchdowns in that span. Only one of those games does he go over nine yards per catch, which is a very Jarvis Landry thing to do. But I also think that's a reflection of, number one, this this team wants to get the ball to players in open space in the short and intermediate areas. That's where Mayfield has been great. Uh, and also, the fact that he's catching these touchdowns. Uh, I, saw, I saw Nate Tice, uh, who does some great work on the athletic football uh, podcast. He talked about the play like play action at the three-yard line, that should just be called the Mayfield uh, because that is like Baker's specialty, doing a play action fake there and then booting it right out to Jarvis Landry. He's the guy on those, on those plays. Obviously, the Jets in Week 16, fantastic matchup. I think you, Jarvis Landry is still a guy that's been too cheap in our daily fantasy game for what seems like a month now. You 16 bucks, 16 bucks again last week. Come back to us, uh, daily fantasy Yahoo pricing. Uh, and, and also Richard Higgins, uh, you know, he's been out there running a bunch of routes, playing well of late 70 yards last week, caught the touchdown against Baltimore in that big game. And again, great matchup against the jets. I would start Higgins too, as a wide receiver three, like Cleveland's offense is pretty simple. It's those two receivers, don't care about anyone else, and start both running backs. And it's all kind of coming back to Baker Mayfield as a, as a top-level fantasy quarterback right now. Yeah, Landry, I have his uh, top 15 fantasy wideout uh, during Week 16. Lastly, just on this list, and, and we can hit this quickly, uh, because I feel like Scott and I talked about Calvin Ridley on one of the recap shows. Liz and I talked about Calvin Ridley on one of the recap shows. Where are you at with Ridley next year? Uh, we've also said, like, would you rather take Calvin Ridley or Justin Jefferson? Uh, I think that's a good debate to have. But Ridley specifically, even if I'd rather have Jefferson, I think Ridley at this point has done enough to prove that he is a number one alpha wide receiver. He's been productive now in games without Julio Jones. I don't care about that narrative anymore. I think Ridley's a guy that 
you know, he's going to win people fantasy leagues this year. And I think he's a great play going forward because he gets open and separates at the level of a true number one. Yeah. And Julio is obviously only getting older. Give me Justin Jefferson there, but Calvin, it will be ranked probably in the what five to 10 range and go in the second round of fantasy drafts, something like that. Probably. Does that sound right? It sounds totally right. And I I think that the Falcons, they're probably not going to do a hard reset. They're probably going to try to, kick the rebuilding can down the road. I would imagine they keep Matt Ryan this year. They keep Julio Jones. They try to just go all in. If I was them, I would just go all in on a on a better offensive coordinator than Dirk Cotter. Give me a give me a break. What what did they think was going to happen there? That was just such a, a doomed fatal decision. Go with like a progressive young offensive mind. Get the best out of Matt Ryan in his last few years and and keep throwing the football a ton. Get some more guys beyond just Ridley and and uh, Jones and Gage or whatever. I think they could be a really good offense next year and be sort of a similar team to what they've been the last few years, which is only an offensive team. It is wild how many big leads that franchise has now blown over the past few years. I mean, it's just it's crazy. It's tough. <laughs> yeah. it's, tough. It's, it's tough to look at. All right. We wanted to thank once again our sponsor for this episode, Planters. When you want to satisfy a salty craving, Planters has you covered. Their deluxe mixed nuts are roasted to perfection and seasoned with sea salt, giving you the crunchy texture and enhanced flavor that you crave. Stay satisfied with Planters Deluxe Mixed Nuts. All right, let's talk about the things we hate to see. Uh, Russell Wilson in Week 16. If you were able to get here into your fantasy championships by having Russell Wilson as your clear-cut QB1, um, I guess hats off to you because Dalton, this offense, I'm just going to say it, this offense kind of stinks right now. I realize they had a bad matchup last week against the Washington football team, but it's one of it's one of the tougher watches out there. It's not like Carson Wentz, Eagles starting level bad, but Wilson has fallen back to, I mean, he's at QB5 in fantasy. His rushing yards are kind of boosting him up there a little bit. He's over 480 or over 470 on the season as a rusher, but... I hate I hate the way this offense has gone since we saw them in September. It's it's and it's not the whole like let Russ cook thing or whatever. It's the fact that they haven't come up with very many counter punches. I, I said this on the Sunday show. They're just only a vertical passing game. They don't have very many layups in there. I think you could argue that some of that is on Russell Wilson too. He's not ever been comfortable working the middle and like matriculating an offense down the field. I think again, at this point in his career, you could argue some of that is on Wilson, but where are we at with Wilson? And I'd love to just go down the line of like guys you would start over Russell Wilson in week 16 against the LA Rams. One of the very few actually good defenses in the NFL. Yeah, it's tough. I didn't see this coming. I mean, he's thrown one touchdown in three of his last four games. He threw 14 over the first three games of the season. This matchup doesn't get any tougher. The Rams have allowed the fewest yards per play this season. Just four over the last three weeks. That's yards per play. Four yards per play the last three weeks. Um, they've allowed the fewest YPA yards per pass this year. I don't think they've only allowed two twenty top 20 fantasy QB performances. So yeah, I, I do not have Russell Wilson as a, a top 12 QB this week. So let's uh, let's go over some some other alternatives. All right. Let's. I mean, obviously... I. Stop me if I say anyone that that is not obvious to you, but Patrick Mahomes, Kyler Murray, Aaron Rodgers, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, Deshaun Watson are obvious, right? Those are obvious guys that are over Wilson. Number seven, I have Jalen Hurts. Same. You'd start Jalen Hurts. Yep. Over, over Russell Wilson. Number eight, Justin Herbert over Russell Wilson. Justin Herbert against the Denver Broncos. Yep. I, I agree. We saw what Josh Allen did to them last week. Ryan Tannehill, I have a nine. I feel like that's underrating Ryan Tannehill because he's been awesome lately. Five touchdowns last week. Uh, the, the Titans are one of the best offensive ecosystems in the NFL right now. One of the highest scoring offenses in the National Football League as we speak. I feel like nine is actually underrating Ryan Tannehill. Oh, yeah, I would confidently start Tannehill over Wilson. Yeah, for sure. I think that, yeah, I'm going to bump him up too because Green Bay is going to put up a ton of points in that game. So that's going to be very high scoring. Yeah, Tannehill's so good. Yeah, yeah, we're actually, we'll talk more about that game and this next game too a little bit later in our last segment. But number 10, I have Tom Brady against the Lions. I'm starting Tom Brady yep. over Russ. All right, these yep, two. It's been a weird, weird season for Brady, but yeah, Detroit defense, you got to go there. These two, I feel like this is where we're getting gross, but. Mitch Trubisky at Jacksonville and Baker Mayfield at the Jets. I'm starting both of those guys over Russell Wilson this week. 
I have, oh, it's funny. I have um, Mayfield, Wilson, and Trubisky. So I have Wilson right in between. But I could definitely see Trubisky. He's been, yeah, I mean, if I think about this more, I could see Trubisky. He's getting it done. Such an easier matchup. I, I, I have no problem with that. And I have Mayfield too. I even have a couple other dark horses that are, the ECR is lower. I could see Breeze's ECR was low. He looked bad last week. But at home against the Vikings, I, I could easily see Breeze uh, putting up more points than Wilson. And even like Stafford at home against the Bucks. The Bucks are, are a team just perfect to get past but you can't run the ball so I, I would even consider those options and I know they're buried in the ECR below below uh below uh Wilson as well yeah I've got Breeze at 18 we'll probably bump him up as the week goes on you know it's it's a it's a great spot like you mentioned and Breeze did look better as the year I mean as the game went on last week against the Chiefs Stafford you're right man Stafford I've got it 17 but that's probably too low like what am I I don't know like why am I why am I more confident in Matt Stafford and some of these goofballs I've got uh, I've got ahead of him because the Bucks are just they're blowing like three or four coverages every single week at this point their defense has fallen way off the map so I, I agree like Stafford's probably a guy that I'm looking at too anyone else that you think is you know, Tua, Kirk Cousins, Jared Goff in the same game, Matt Ryan, any of those other guys you starting over, um, Russ? No, I think it, that's pretty much the cutoff line. I think it, I think we succeeded in our conversation with the whole point of uh, debating Trubisky versus Russell Wilson in the fantasy yeah. championship game. If, if we went back two months, it would have been a little bit uh, crazy. But um, one guy I would possibly consider, if you want to talk about him yet, is Marcus Mariota. He ran for 90 yards last week. What do you think about him? I have a decision with him in Superflex. Probably not with Russell Wilson, no, but he's another guy to talk about. But no, I think that's where the cutoff line for, for Wilson is. And then, then yeah, the, between Mariota, Goff, Tua, and, and, and those guys, guys i think it's kind of a tier below that was going to be uh my next point that i brought up here in the you hate to see it section if you're Derek carr you hate to see this because this is tough this is not a great look when uh the quarter this is another tweet we're talking about tweets that i'm just getting dunked on lately but you know midway (laughs) through this is when like i even after after that game was over on on thursday night I, ho- I heard your voice in my head, Dalton, of just like, I never tweet. This is why I never tweet. Because, like, halfway through the game, Mariota is um, just totally carving up this Chargers defense. And I, like an idiot, tweeted out, maybe I lacked a little context. But I basically said, I think this is a really good reflection of the offensive designing and creativity that John Gruden has done as an offensive coach. I thought I hammered home the point offensive coach 55 times in the tweet. But people still came at me after they lost that game. Oh, do you watch your games? Like, uh, John Green's got a losing record since he came back with the Raiders. I'm like, I know he's an, he's an idiot. He's a terrible game manager. He's not a good – he's not been a good head coach. But as an offensive play caller, you, well, he doesn't get paid. To, well, he is the offensive play caller. Trying to go back and forth with people on Twitter about that. I eventually was just like, I got to stop. I got to this, – this, I need to be more like Dalton and just log, log off. But <laughs> all that to say, I think that this is a well-constructed offense – and Mariota at the helm of it, he looked great last week. It's not exactly a great matchup against the Dolphins, but I'm I'm in on the fact that he looked the, – the biggest difference between the Mariota I saw on Thursday night and the Mariota that I remember from Tennessee, I, I remember having a conversation with James Coe about this uh, in the office last year. Shout out to when we used to be uh, allowed in offices. Uh, but talking about, man, the problem with Mariota and why Tannehill looks so much better – in the Titans offense is that Mariota was so gun shy, whether it was throwing the ball down the field or whether it was taking off to run because he's always been a good athlete, but he's just always looked so head. The more he's played in the NFL, the more hesitant he looked like to run. I thought he just played, you know, just, just going for it last, last week. And I thought that was really encouraging. I think you have a pretty strong argument, Gruden, as far as the sense of look at how bad Mariota looked the last we saw him. I mean, then Tannehill replaces him in the same yes. system and he you know, runs off, looks amazing. So Mariota, I had kind of written off. He replaces Carr and maybe it's a similar situation here that Carr was maybe holding back a system that could be ran a little bit better. And he certainly looked good in, in, in relief. And like I said, for fantasy wise, the 88 rushing yards has your attention. And former number two overall pick of the draft. Um, he has his flaws and the Dolphins have a good pass defense. And you know, with the week of film on him and preparation, it could get it could turn back into ugly because it was ugly at times in Tennessee. I mean, his uh, lack of pocket, really? hold on to the ball. He'd do both. He'd hold on to the ball too long and not go downfield so um but 
I don't know. If you're in a super flex, uh, you could you could see it. The, the dual threat QB and the Gruden system. Yes. I mean, did we all, what was Carr? You know, Carr was thought to be uh, nothing. And he has him putting up pretty decent numbers this year with, you know, whatever Henry Ruggs hasn't broken up. So my point is, Gruden has many mistakes at the draft table. I don't understand a lot of his draft picks and a, a lot of his signings, a lot of his signings. But his actual on-field system, I'm with you. There, there might be something to that. Yeah, so that's a guy that I would consider as the week goes on bumping up into the top top 18-ish of quarterbacks. I don't know that I would start him over Russell Wilson, but it's at least a conversation. So I, I agree. I think he's. I think he looked great, and this is an offense that I think is underrated as a whole. All right, let's do our last segment here. Uh, it's who got shelled. Our last who got shelled of the season, Dalton. This is it. I, I, uh, oh, I mean, man. come on. What a, what a sad moment. Uh, as, as I mentioned, it's who got shelled, presented by our friends at Planters. Every Wednesday, Dalton and I are going to take a look back at a defense or defensive player who got absolutely shelled last week. Then we'll dive into the data and point out the defensive matchups you might want to take advantage of this Sunday. Uh, I think we both agree on our pick for who got shelled last week. It was Denver. Um, Justin Herbert facing the, the Denver Broncos this week. That's why I got him at QB8, man. Their, their defense from a, an injury and obviously the suspension of A.J. Boya has taken a huge step back in the secondary. Josh Allen absolutely cooked them. And Vic Fangio makes life pretty difficult for young quarterbacks. Not so much against uh, good old Josh Allen last week. Josh Allen is so good, it's a crime. He's improved so much. And I love Buffalo just using the cheat code. They don't even bother running. I mean, don't look at the box score at the end of the game. When it's first and 10 in the neutral situations, they're just passing every single time, or at least seemingly. Um, and, yeah. and Allen is taking full advantage of it. They're taking that same approach, like that I said with the Chiefs earlier. Basically, the, the second half of this season, they, they've essentially said to themselves, well, running the ball, for three to four yards on first or second down. It's basically just a wasted play when we have QB Jesus, Patrick Mahomes back here. Uh, Josh Allen is not Patrick Mahomes. I'm not saying that, but that's the way the Bills have treated him this year from a play calling perspective. And oh, by the way, he's responded because this offense rocks and the Bills are the second best team in the AFC. No doubt. So that's why we agree. Denver got shelled last week. Now, Dalton, tell me who you expect to get shelled this week. All right, I think the Titans' defense is going to get shelled by the Packers. I expect a strong effort from Green Bay. I mean, they were just really struggling the second half offensively last week. Meanwhile, the Titans, really good offensively, but they're bottom 10 in yards per play allowed on defense the last three weeks. Meanwhile, Rodgers has a 19-to-1 TD to INT ratio at home this season. Aaron Jones, he sees his yards per carry go from 3.9 on the road to 6.6 in Lambeau Field. So I think the Titans defense is going to get shelled this week, and that'll be a fun DFS game to play uh, Sunday night. Yeah, I agree with you, man, because uh, the Titans are so easy to stack, too, because we know where the ball's going. It's going to Corey Davis, uh, who's been kind of up and down a little bit, like slightly volatile, but for the most part, has been hitting big of late uh, in the last five weeks. His big weeks have been big for your fantasy team. A.J. Brown, obviously, he's not probably not 100% right now, but still playing really well. And Derrick Henry and Ryan Tannehill, you know the deal with the Titans. So I agree with you. That should be a fun uh, defensive game. You're not bothered at all by what we saw on Saturday night football with the Green Bay Packers kind of having – let me tell you, Devontae Adams' one off game of the year bounced me from the fantasy playoffs on the oh. team that I took him in the first round. You know, it certainly would be better if they had one of these young rookie receivers uh, on the other side of Devontae Adams. But no, I trust Aaron Rodgers, and that pass protection has been so, so good. Yeah, Bob Tanyan should have been the Pro Bowl tight end over Evan Ingram. That was a, oh, I, I don't yeah. really care about. I don't really care about the 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 Pro Bowl, but that was a tough one. That was a tough. Oh, that's worth getting worked up over. Yeah, that that's worth yeah. getting up. Yeah, for sure. Who's your Who's your D? Right, who's your pick to get shelled? My pick for who's going to get shelled is the Detroit Lions because you know what? They get shelled every single week. They got shelled last week by the by the Tennessee Titans. Corey Davis ripped them up down the field. AJ Brown also scored a touchdown, and they get the Bucks this week. And Dalton, I did fearless forecast for wide receivers this week. Uh, and it's weird with the Bucks, right? Because we can't expect them to string together four consistent quarters of football or, you know, a consistent 60 minutes. It's just not going to happen. I've given up the ghost on that. I'm not high on them in the postseason. I think they could, if they make it there, they could be a one-and-done type of operation. But this is a pretty great matchup 
for these Bucks receivers. And they all kind of hit last week in a good matchup. Chris Godwin scores. Antonio Brown, whoop-de-doo. He gets his first touchdown as a Tampa Bay Buccaneer. Uh, and Mike Evans goes over 100 yards. And they were using Mike Evans in ways that wasn't just down the field jump ball. It's like, yeah, maybe that's what you should have been doing all year. And I actually think that on Antonio Brown's touchdown, it's like this is why the Brown signing should have worked. It hasn't worked so far. It's, it's as Scott says, it's solved a problem that they didn't have. But Brown just easily toasts a defensive back in single coverage because, you know, Mike Evans is on the other side of the field. He's been garnering attention. But I think those type of plays could happen more often than not against Detroit, who's just so, so bad at everything on defense, that even if I don't trust the Bucks at all and definitely not to be good over four quarters, I think you could play them this week. Quickly, I'm annoyed with Antonio Brown because one week after playing fewer than 50% of the snaps and running just 13 routes, I ranked him way lower than consensus. I didn't understand. Uh, ECR was still like 30th last week. And of course, he catches a deep bomb. So I'm the one that looks like the idiot ultimately. But that's a tough wide receiver position to, to predict each week. And, and Brown, yeah, that's a, he's, he seems to be on the outside looking in. But he made the big play. And I have no doubt uh, they'll make many big plays against that horrific checked out Lions defense. Well, I mean, he played less than Evans and Godwin and still tied for the team lead in targets. I think this, I think there's just something there where Brady really wants this to be a thing and he's going to make it a thing. So again, I don't like all of these guys, but I don't like the Brown signing still, but I think for this week, I'm probably going to break ties in favor of playing all three of these guys and ranking them Evans, Godwin, and then uh, Antonio Brown last. But so that's that. So that was our Who Got Shelled segment. I hope we don't get shelled by making those picks. And once again, we wanted to give a shout-out to Planters for that segment. Stay satisfied with Planters. All right, Dalton, it's week 16. We're at the end of the line here. Plug your stuff the rest of the way, man. Uh Yeah, I have a sit-start column coming up a day earlier than usual, so that'll be out uh, Thursday morning. Love it. Yeah, my column's going to be out. Uh, well, it'll be a mix of my two columns. It'll be out on uh, Wednesday as well. Uh, what a treat indeed. While you're waiting for Dalton and I to hit the interwebs with our just beautiful, beautiful words, the most beautiful words. Check out all of the podcasts we have to offer you here at Yahoo Sports, the Yahoo Sports NFL podcast with Charles Robinson and Therese Paler, and the Yahoo Sports College podcast with Dan Wetzel, Pete Thamel, and our friend Pat Forty from SI. Follow us on Twitter at Yahoo Fantasy. I'm at Matt Harmon underscore BYB. That's at Dalton Del Don. Tomorrow, Scott and Andy will do a Christmas weekend preview pod. But until then... We're out. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader.